I'm Jules. I'm Elizabeth. And you're listening to Spaghetti Heads. you cool cats and kittens yeah um today we're gonna talk about carol baskin and the cold case um disappearance of her husband don lewis it's Um, funny it's called a cold case because it's such a hot case right now it's such a hot case but it's cold (laughs) it is ice cold um at the moment um but still open so they haven't closed it there's been no arrest associated with the case itself. Um, so we're going to, we want to dive in. We want to kind of talk about it. We want to talk about it start, kind of more from Carol's perspective um, to kind of give you a, a different viewfinder of what may have happened than what is shown in the Tiger King documentary. If you've been living under a rock, you may not have heard of Tiger King, but if you haven't been living under a rock like most of us, you've probably watched it or at least heard it um heard about it so um one of one of the podcasts that we love that we listen to all the time morbid they're a true crime podcast they're amazing we love them they i found out that they covered this particular case back on april 12th as i was like catching Mm -hmm. up with my morbid podcast feed so i choose not to listen i chose not to listen to it i skipped it because i didn't want whatever angle they took or like however they covered it to affect like all the research and information that i found so haven't listened to it yet. I will. And everyone should go subscribe to them, follow them, listen to their oh, podcast. They're amazing. I love them so yeah. much. They're really, really great. They're hilarious. Um, and they're really good. And it's like all true crime. So they do a great job. I didn't listen to it either. I saw that they were doing it. Um, and I knew that you wanted to cover the subject. So I didn't want to come in to this episode biased. Yeah. Because I'm usually going to take whatever side they take. Yeah, I know. Honestly, like me too. So that's why I was like, oh no, if they don't, you know, go the way that I was going to go, I'm going to end up changing all the work I did. So I was like, I'm just not going to listen to it. Um, (laughs) So yeah, without further ado, Carol Stairs Jones was born June 6, 1961 in Bexar County, Texas. So Carol started pursuing or expressing an interest in pursuing saving cats when she was nine years old. And she wanted to uh, study veterinary medicine, which, like, didn't we all at nine years old? Everybody did. Everybody did. Um, so definitely something a little relatable. But she did change her mind after she learned that veterinarians have to euthanize animals, which is sweet. I mean, I would, too. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. I think that happened to a lot of kids that, like, didn't understand that was part of the job. So, um. At age 14, Carol is raped by three men that live across the street from her house, and her conservative family shows little to no empathy or support after the incident. And I want to make sure that we, like, emphasize this enough because I feel like in the show, like it was mentioned, they did talk about it because I remember it sticking out to me, but no one, like, thinks about or talks about, like, how a traumatizing incident like that, like would affect you for the rest of your life and like would affect how you view relationships, how you are in relationships and different decisions and choices that you make throughout your life. Like that is. And how do you react to things too? I mean, that would affect everything. Right. And without also not only the event itself, which is trauma, 
in and of itself. But then to have a family that doesn't like support you and like re-nurture you back to like health, like mental health, physical, mental, all of it. It's just like like adding insult to injury. Yeah. It's just a lot of trauma. And like, it should be recognized that like Carol had been through a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So shortly after the incident, she ends up dropping out of high school and leaving home. She hitchhikes between Florida and Maine and she lives on the streets. It's not clear how she got from Texas to like Florida, but between Florida and Maine is a long drive. Really long distance. And she's like, you know, like 16, like 15, 16. So she's young and like living on the streets. She's eventually able to purchase a truck and she sleeps in the back of the truck with her pet cat. So she's staying consistent with her love of of the felines. (laughs) Um, What was the cat's name? It didn't say. I couldn't find out much about the cat, unfortunately. Okay. But I picture it like being on a leash. Because it would have to be. In the truck or like... A litter box? I would hope so. In the truck? I would really hope so, but we're not sure. There's no... No, no more information there about that. I'm just, I'm just drafting the image in my head. So yeah, can, yeah, can, I know. I, I, I feel you. <laughs> um, so Carol soon gets a job at a Tampa department store, and she begins to have a relationship with her boss, Michael Murdoch. Whoa. Right, and like I, I tried to research Michael Murdoch, and I wasn't able to find much information on him at all. So this is completely me just assuming and I want to like call myself out I know that that's bad to assume but I'm picturing that because he's her boss like he's older so that's that's why I reacted the way that I did did you hear me I was like whoa it's like I I don't care live your life but like it scares me it scares me if she's still because how old was she 16 17 uh I don't even think she was 17 yet Oh, like that's... I think at this point she was like 15, 16 probably. So I would assume there's a good chance that he's probably at least generally older than her. I mean, you would think if he was in a position of like, you know, then again, I guess he could be like a supervisor and be like in high school still or like at high school age. I don't know. But if he's over 18, like that is, this is a sketchy situation. Yeah, that's true. And it's just not good for her. Um, And it ends up not being good for her. She ends up moving in with Michael uh, when she's 17. And they get married in 1979 because Carol claims that she felt pressure from her conservative family. And this I found surprising as well because I'm surprised that she was still in contact with her family. You would think that she would have completely separated herself after they just turned a blind eye to the fact that she was sexually assaulted. Correct. That's what I would think. But I guess she was still in contact with them. And it's also interesting... And it's significant to take note of the fact that that happened to her. She went through all that trauma. They weren't supportive, which in and of itself was trauma. She left the house, was homeless, you know, living on the streets, hitchhiking, goes through all this stuff. She's still in contact with her family, and their approval still affects her decisions. I don't like that. I mean, it's not my life. She can do whatever she wants, obviously, but, but like... It's just, it's it's another thing just to think about when it comes to Carol and her decisions. Like, forming like, an opinion, yeah. Just forming an opinion on, like, who she <clears throat> is and, like, what she's been through. Um, it seems as if that's... There may be, and of course, I, I don't know enough about her. I've n- literally never laid eyes on the woman, but, like, seems a little codependent. Which I think would be significant. 
Um, so Carol and Michael have a daughter together, Jamie. And Michael turns out to be a piece of shit. And he's very abusive to Carol. But it's terrifying for her to think about leaving and raising their daughter, Jamie, on their own. On her own. Which I think is something that you hear a lot in, like, women in abusive relationships. Is there's always, like, kind of a reason or a tie and, like, a fear of leaving. And, it, I mean, I think that that's... I don't want to say understandable because I don't want to make it sound like it's okay to stay in an abusive relationship. But like you also have to have empathy for people in those situations, which is like what I'm trying to get across. Um, So in 1981, Carol Murdoch is walking along Nebraska Avenue in Tampa after fleeing her home from a situation where her husband, Michael was abusing her and she meets, I, you know, I don't know for sure if she was walking with the cat. It's, I just, I picture her though with a cat always present, like constantly present. So like, we'll just, you know, use your imagination. <laughs> but Carol is walking along Nebraska Avenue and she meets Don Lewis. And Don Lewis at this point in his life is married with four children and he's running a successful used car and real estate business. At this point, he has made himself a millionaire and he's in his early 40s. And remember, Carol's like 18, maybe. And he's in her life. So he's like twice her age. And he meets her walking along Nebraska Avenue, which is pretty familiar with the Tampa Bay area. Usually you don't just walk along Nebraska Avenue <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're a working girl, which not trying to be a reflection of Carol, but it may be a reflection of like Dawn, like as we kind of go forward with this. So Carol and Don meet. They apparently have relations that night, the first night they meet, and they begin having this affair. And it mentions Carol and Don. Carol becomes one of Don's many girlfriends, hmm. which is interesting. I try to like look more into that, and I couldn't really find anything specific. But um, Carol kind of helps working in his businesses, and she substantially helps grow his wealth by helping him buy and sell real estate. So in 1991, so this is 10 years after they first meet, Don and Carol divorce both of their spouses and marry each other. So it seems as if it's like they divorce and get married in 1991. Like it was planned. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably a lot more to that story than, than is out there in the public. Um, thinking Don's wife knew something was going on. Probably. Right. So in 1992, so a year after they're married, they decide to found wildlife on easy street which is what eventually becomes known as big cat rescue in tampa easy street yeah on easy street <laughs> um and i believe the address for this in their in their defense is easy street like i think it's that's like the actual, oh no it is yeah yeah so you know but it does make you it does it sounds cheesy for sure Big Cat Rescue is, is a much better name, I will makes say. Me wanna, makes me want to get a little Liza Minnelli up in here. Yeah, it does. Um, but Don and Carol, they end up butting heads on how they want to run the business. Allegedly, Don wants to use the business to breed wild cats and run a lucrative business. And Carol wants to run a charity as an animal rights activist. So they don't really agree on like their vision for this business to start with. Um, also, according to Carol, Don was obsessed with sex and he would fly to Costa Rica in order to have affairs especially when she was menstruating. Stop. <gasps> That's a commitment. And granted, remember, he's got plenty of money. Like, he's a millionaire. Well, you know, he's a millionaire plus, potentially. And um, I guess he has the means 
to fly down once a month to Costa Rica. But like, it's a, it's definitely a commitment to your obsession if he is truly obsessed with sex, which it sounds like he was. Carol, get Pilot P on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> you're on the rag. I gotta get to South America. Right. He's like, no, I'm out. I'm out. You hang here, and I'm gonna go, mm. and I'll be back when you're when you're available okay. for me again. Okay, I see you, Don. Um. So Don allegedly tells his family members that he has plans to move to Costa Rica, and in 1997, he starts transferring ownership of some properties in Florida to a company he controls in Costa Rica, which is kind of fishy. That's sketch. Um, in July of 1997, he files a request for a restraining order against Carol, claiming that she threatened to kill him and that she hid his gun so that he was unable to protect himself, and the judge denies his request for a restraining order. I guess Don tells Carol he wants a divorce, and then she refuses. And I want to pause here because the current Hillsborough County Sheriff did say um, in an interview, I think it was with the New York Post, that he wasn't able to find any evidence of this restraining order. But then he was like, maybe it was just never filed. But then, like, upon my research, I was able to find an image of what looks like the application for the restraining order. Now, what? we'll... Can- we can post it. We, I'll find it. I'll post it. But just okay. with the caveat that, like, remember that there's, like, this case is everywhere right now. The story is everywhere. There's people out there that are weird that might be like, oh, let me fill this out and make it look like it's a oh, document. Like, that's, post it Yeah, online. that's such a good point. I wasn't able to, like, substantiate if that was the actual document. But, like, it seemed like there's evidence out there of the document being filed. Plus, Carol never actually denies that he filed the restraining order. So Carol did suggest in the Tiger King docuseries that she thought Dom was possibly developing Alzheimer's. And in a blog post related to the subject, she says, in a few years preceding his disappearance, Dom's behavior was gradually showing signs of mental deterioration. So she kind of claims, and this is mentioned in Tiger King as well, that he was rummaging in dumpsters, hoarding vehicles and hoarding junk, and that he was losing his short-term memory and that he sometimes would seem disoriented. Um... So a friend of Don's named Mark McCarthy did claim that a month before he vanished that Don did mention to, or his quote says he did mention to me that he felt his life was in danger, which like is always something that should be taken seriously. Yeah. Like I personally believe if anyone ever tells you like, Hey, I think my life's in danger. Like don't ignore that. Right. Don't pretend like. Even if they're rummaging around in dumpsters. Right. Like, yeah. you always need to take that seriously, right. like, no matter what. I don't think that that's, you know, whatever. But at the same time, if what Carol's saying is true, and you're, like, starting to get disoriented and, like, act kind of crazy, like, you could just, like, say something. Um, and Carol responds to Mark's claim that Don told him this, and she says, and I quote, um, McCarthy said Don told him his life was in danger. But he didn't say by whom. And if he was in danger, why did he bring home more cubs for me to have raise? Or for me to have to raise. Sorry. Why did he bring home more cubs for me to have to raise? Was the quote. Which, I'm not really sure what those two things have in common. Like, I think that Don probably could have brought home more cubs to have her raise. And also his life could have been in danger by her. I'm not saying that's what I think, but I am saying, like, those two things don't, to me, don't seem related. Was she saying it was, like, an act of kindness? 
I don't I think guess. it's related like, either. I'm just trying to think from like her maybe, perspective, like how she rationalized it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, maybe she's trying to say that like clearly she's that, like, not dangerous. That, maybe because... that was out of the norm for him. I don't know. Or just that. Yeah, I don't know. I I couldn't. I can't crack that code. I can't figure out what she's trying to say and like why that would be related to her not. Like, necessarily. Why does that matter? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because they're making money off their business potentially right. at that point. So, anyways. This is where it gets really, if it wasn't already juicy enough, this, this is when shit gets kind of crazy. So now it's early August in 1997. So this is all happening like, you know, within a short time frame from the time he files his restraining order and the time when this happens. So it's early August. Don purchases a plane ticket to Costa Rica and he loads equipment onto a truck that is destined to go to Miami. And then on the evening of August 17th, 1997, Carol claims that Don tells her he has to wake up early the next morning and transport some cars to Costa Rica. So the next morning, Don leaves his home around 6 a.m. and he never returns. So Carol kind of files a missing persons claim. And on August 20th, so just two days after his disappearance, his white Dodge Ram van was found at the Pilot County Airport in Springfield, Florida, where he happened to keep several private planes that he would fly despite his private license, his pilot's license being suspended. So the car keys were left on the floorboard of the van and there's no evidence found at the scene. Which I find, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in forensics, but like, that's his vehicle. You would think they'd find something. Where, he, like, where his are car you, was left. Are you thinking maybe they would have wiped it down? Like she, she, he, they, whoever did this, whether it was him or someone else, wiped it down after it was parked? No, I'm saying that it says they never found evidence, but like, I don't know how hard they looked. I couldn't find like, information they could, Like on... they should have at least said like, we found forensic evidence stating that he... Was, was there in, was right. there right like i want to know something and also i think it's important to mention this is springfield florida 1997 leaving the keys on the floorboard of your car like isn't that unusual no. yeah because i know that like well we'll get it we'll get into what some people's theories are but i just want to say that that to me isn't like that significant but i wanted to mm-hmm. mention it because it was mentioned but just like you know the state of where this was located and the time period, it wouldn't be that weird to leave your cars and your car keys on the floorboard of your car. So the investigation kind of begins for where is he, what happened to him, and the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department finds no sign of foul play at the wildlife on Easy Street Sanctuary. Um, I found conflicting information on whether or not Carol was ever considered an official person of interest. I will say if she wasn't, that to me sounds wrong. They I at think least this... they at least need to like look into the spouse, typically, right? Always. Oh, I I think usually the spouse is always a person of interest. And to be a person of interest doesn't really mean it just means you're you're They're, you're being focused on for a period of time to clear your name. And to just try to get information on what might have happened. Right. It's like you know, from CSI, <laughs> you know, all of them, all the TV. Elliot I watch. Stabler says. Exactly. That's, you know, my 
understanding of what it means when you're a person of interest. It doesn't mean you're a suspect. It's not the same thing. But the current Hillsborough County Sheriff mentions that Carol was never a person of interest in the case. And if that's the case, to me, that seems wrong. Seems like she should have been at least a person of interest. Maybe not a suspect if there was no evidence, but, you know. Um, and there was nothing ever found that linked her to being involved with the disappearance, and she was never charged with anything. So the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department did end up traveling to, and I'm probably going to butcher this. So maybe I just, no, I'll say it, and I'm sorry if I butcher it. Bagasses. It's B-A-G-A-C-E-S. So Bagaces, Costa Rica, where Dawn owned a 200-acre apartment. Yell at you. I know. Someone's going to be like, you said that wrong. I'm be like, I'm sorry. I did the best. I took a decent amount of Spanish in high school and, like, have tried to stay good. So I don't know. That's the best I can do. Um, they traveled to Costa Rica where Dawn owned a 200-acre park, and they did conduct a five-day investigation. Um, it's interesting. They found that Dawn was actually engaging in extramarital affairs and also engaging in illegal business practices in Costa Rica. Doesn't tell me what exactly those practices are, right? But it does say that he was doing some illegal-ish and also having extramarital affairs in Costa Rica. So ultimately, they kind of decide, well, he may have disappeared on his own because it doesn't seem like anybody else was involved in this. Or some people thought that. Um, so in 2002, he's declared legally dead five years after his disappearance. And this is the same year that Carol meets her current husband, Howard Baskin, and they got married in 2004. So two years okay. after he's declared legally dead. Um, Don did leave behind about $5 million in holdings which led to a big legal battle between Carol and Don's children from his previous marriage with Gladys Cross. Um, almost all the estate was left to Carol. And I know they did talk a lot about that in Tiger King. Um, and yeah, I remember his ex-wife and his, his daughters being... They're upset. And, I, yeah. and listen, I get that. I can totally understand... For sure. If your father had all that wealth and he left it to you know, his new wife. And like, I don't know. I, it just seems like I, I can understand why they'd be so like, upset. Yeah, I understand the, the bitterness behind Correct. it. Correct. I totally sure. get it. I totally get where they're coming from. Um, it was also interesting. Apparently, one day after the civil judge deemed Don Lewis legally deceased in 2002, Carol Baskin produced a will with a clause that granted her his money if he were ever to go MIA. So it mentions the term disappearance. And I actually checked in. I'm not going to say who specifically, but I checked in with somebody I know that's an attorney that specifically deals with wills. And they did say that it would be unusual to mention the term, like specifically to mention like disappearance um, in a will. I not mean, to say that it wouldn't be done, but that it would be unusual. Did the person that you talked to, had they ever come in contact with something like that? Um, she did say that um, it could be a good idea to kind of direct what might happen to someone's assets if they can't be located, just to avoid any kind of like lengthy legal process. 
Okay. Because having someone declared dead can take a long time and can be expensive. But it's like the specific use of the term disappearance is just a little bit odd. Um, so, yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, just, it's a red flag. It right? seems like a red yeah. flag. Um, and then in 2004, Carol was asked to take a polygraph test related to the investigation and she refused. So kind of by 2005, authorities are kind of starting to question. I don't know. So I love doing research and listening to and and watching true crime um, outlets. And I'm not in this field, but um, from that and from like random research that I've done, it's very, very rare that a polygraph would actually be admissible in court. So to me, it's kind of like, yeah, I get it that you're nervous about it, but the chances that they're actually going to make it admissible are pretty low. So if you didn't do it, just take just take the polygraph. Yeah, and I I asked that too to the attorney that I know. Yeah. Um, I asked her if lie detector tests hold up in court, and she did mention um, that they do typically hold up, like. But as persuasive evidence, so they can't hold up as, like, being conclusive. It's not, like, forensic evidence. It's... Right. Like, they don't okay. get they don't get thrown out. But they uh, – it's basically just used in an attorney's effort to be persuasive to, like, okay. make his Well, case. then if that's the case, then – But yeah, I see I mean... what you're saying, too. I mean, it's, like – I don't know. It's, it's very complicated. Definitely after hearing what she said, it would make me afraid to ever take a polygraph test. Like, oh, crap. You know, because you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, you don't for want to you sound. And I, we should never take a polygraph because well... <laughs> we're emotional wrecks. And <laughs> yeah, I know. But I just, I don't know. I I guess I kind of just get where she's coming from, just like based on what the criminal attorney. Or I mean, I get it. I just don't. If you didn't do it, just take it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. Um. And I, I mean, we can kind of come back to this a little bit because as we wrap up the information, we'll kind of talk about what we both think at this point, okay. like what may have happened and like maybe we can bring that back up. Um, so there's a few theories about what may have happened to Dawn. Um, so Carol did report that a caretaker for several of the properties that Dawn owned that were in Costa Rica claimed that Dawn had been spotted there after he vanished. So a representative from the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department said there were rumors that this was an insurance scam sort of thing. And they said that because there were reported sightings of Don Lewis in Costa Rica years into his disappearance, detectives were sent to follow up and investigate, but they didn't find anything. Um, they were sent to Costa Rica? Yeah, they did go to Costa Rica. I think okay. for like two weeks they went, um, but they didn't find anything. So that's kind of a dead end. Mm. Um, Joseph Fritz which is Don Lewis's former attorney said he thinks that Lewis probably went to go check out a new plane that was for sale the morning of August 18th in 1997 Um, it seems odd to me that if that were the case he wouldn't have just told Carol like you know he told her I gotta go to Kirsten and move some cars like why do you need to lie about it why would he just not say like I'm gonna go look at a new plane also like he would fly i need to buy a new plane exactly like i just feel like buying a plane discussion yeah right his um 
his pilot's license was expired, but apparently he would continue to fly. Um, so this guy I mean, just... I don't think you need to have a pilot's license to buy a new plane. Uh, Cardi, B, Cardi B's got Bugattis. She yeah, got a license. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably right. Um, but apparently this guy, Joseph Fritz, heard a rumor that um, he was pushed out of a plane at 50 feet. Well... Maybe it was supposed to say 500 feet. You guys, what? I really need to proofread my notes. He was pushed out of a plane. Don? Yeah, over the Gulf of Mexico. Um, Carol said it might. It did make sense to her that he might have met up with somebody to look at a new airplane. But she said that if he did buy the new plane, and if he flew the seller back to their home and then crashed over the Gulf, that could explain his disappearance. Um, she says that if he was under the radar, as he was prone to do, and crashed, he, we'd likely never find the wreckage. Because I think the idea here is he's flying without a pilot's license, so he's not like – he's flying literally under the radar. He's literally flying, so nobody will know he's out there flying his plane because he doesn't have a license. That she is says he was terrifying. It is really scary. <gasps> or he had a license at one point, but it had expired or maybe it was suspended. I'm not really sure what I happened. I hate that. Yeah. It's a little scary. Um, of course, there's the theory that Carol killed her husband, Don Lewis, and that she fed him to the tigers. This is no. the one that is commonly pushed in the Tiger King docuseries. This is the one that everybody talks about. Um, and a representative from Hillsbury County Sheriff's Department did acknowledge that he heard rumors that she'd fed him to the cats. There's also a rumor that she put his body in the septic tank and another rumor that she could have put him through the meat grinder. But Carol does claim that the meat grinder she had at that time was much smaller than the one seen in the Tiger King docuseries and that this is, and I quote, the most ludicrous of all lies, <laughs> which I just really, I'm going to start using that. Like, that's going to be my new favorite um, Didn't anyone quote. check the septic tank? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Oh, no. Pause. The... So according to officials, Big Cat Rescue's meat grinder was removed from the property several weeks prior Stop. to Lewis's disappearance and that the septic tank wasn't even installed till years later. So there was no septic tank oh. to investigate. Like these are all rumors, like theories. Were they on have. sewer? I don't know. There may Sorry. be maybe we there have, was we've there had may some be... septic tank issues and I just I don't know. <laughs> there may have not been plumbing out there. We don't know if they were like, oh, living there at the time, if oh, it was just, you know. Okay. So we're not really sure. Also, the, I'm just going to put this out there. The meat grinder that was in the docuseries seems small to me. So, like, I'm, I'm kind of look with it Carol. Up I can't remember what it looked like. I remember being like, you can't, you couldn't fit a body through that. Yeah, and, but if you chop it up. Well, I guess, but to know that, like, I don't know. The, to know that the one that they had before that was even smaller, I'm with Carol on this one. I'm throwing out the meat grinder theory. Like, that didn't happen. They said, who, did anyone, like, corroborate that it was a smaller meat grinder? Well, she said that. So I'm saying if that's true. Mm. She claimed in order for... Girl. In order for her to dispose of his body that way, she would have had to cut his body up into, like, one-inch cubes. Because I guess that's that's how small the meat had to be for her to grind it up. And I don't know how many big cats she had at that time, but that seems like a lot. Also, why are you grinding up the meat for the cats? They're they're tigers. They can probably handle it. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. The, the whole 
existence Julie, of a meat grinder. Know, you don't know what they've been through. Yeah, I don't know what they've been through. Maybe they maybe they're bougie. They've been rescued. I'm just I don't imagining know. her trying to like feed a whole carcass to a tiger and the tiger just being like, bitch, please. I was imagining her like in front of a grill. Like no. grilling, grilling, burger, <laughs> grilling burgers for the tigers. Like, how do you want yours, Medium, Bob? medium rare? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, if you watch the documentary, Carol, of course, denies any idea or mention that she has anything to do with Don's disappearance. And authorities say that there's no evidence of her killing him, let alone feeding him to the tigers. She does make a comment. I'm going to just, Carol, girl, we all have a sense of humor. It was a bad joke. She makes a comment about, you'd have to cover him in sardine oil. <laughs> yeah, she kind of... Curl. Curl. Carol. Carol. She can't say things like that. <laughs> I know she's trying to be funny, and I get it. I have Humor is a big defense mechanism for you, yours truly as well. Yeah. But we don't, we don't joke about covering our potentially dead husband's body in sardine oil. And not being the only way you could feed them to the cats because just sounds like you know a little trick. Just sounds yeah. like you got a trick up your sleeve to motivate yeah. a cat to eat your husband. So going forward, Carol, let's just avoid jokes like that. But um, I will say that that joke did seem a little bit, a little bit interesting. Um, so where are we now with this? Like what's going on now? At this point, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's authorities say that the case is not considered a murder. It's still classified as missing persons, and it's still open. Um, with the popularity of the docuseries Tiger King, Hillsborough County Sheriff Chad Cronister announced in early April that he's looking for new leads. He was actually working in the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department in 1997 when the case first happened, when he first disappeared, but I think he was a narcotics detective. Hmm. But he kind of has this outlook on it now that's like, you know, I was there when this case first came out. Now I'm like the HBIC. I don't right. know what the male version of that is. I guess just the boss because that's the world we live in. I'm dead. So now he's the boss and he kind of wants to spend some time reopening this case. Um, so a really interesting thing that investigators have uncovered in this case. And it doesn't, I couldn't find exactly when they figured this out, but this is really sketchy um don lewis had two different passports both were issued in costa rica despite him being an american citizen i don't know a lot well maybe he lost his passport at some point while he was Uh, in costa rica is that how that works i've never lost my passport in a foreign country so i don't know that's a really good question i'm not really sure i know that that's the only thing i can think of you know yeah i mean like what was mentioned here is that having two passport issues two passports issued in the same country could make your travel go untraced. I don't know how. Like, like I said. Oh, because they might. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I'm thinking maybe it's like you use the same passport ID number. And you've got two separate passports. So physically, because back back then they were probably more serious about stamping it on where you've been right so as he's going through customs he can just pull out the one that would make 
Oh, maybe. You know what I mean? Or he has one that's, that he gets stamped and the other one he doesn't get stamped. So it looks like he hasn't been anywhere. Right. I'm not sure. I also find it interesting, like like you mentioned, he's got a passport issued to him in Costa Rica. I don't know the rules and parameters around that. I've never lost a passport, like you said as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that he wouldn't have had one. It sounds like he didn't have one that was issued in the U.S. at all, which is weird. Um, another thing that's challenging with this case is that apparently there's no money trail. So there's been no withdrawals or money moved prior to his departure. Um, he left behind his children, his home, his girlfriends, his wife. None of his credit cards have been used since his disappearance either. So obviously, like, they're thinking he's potentially still alive. But I think a lot of Best what, case scenario, yeah. Best case scenario. But they have no way of tracking him with money. And I think that that is commonly used to to track people down especially nowadays if he wasn't dead before he's probably considering it after seeing tiger king yeah probably um so as for like incoming tips because they've like i guess really been pushing this now um they're apparently the sheriff's department is allegedly receiving six or so tips a day that's a lot. Since the documentary? Since the documentary came out, the sheriff's department is, like, pushing out, like, hey, we want to investigate this case. Like, send us information if you know anything. And they're getting up to six tips a day, which seems like a lot. Although it does say many of them are speculative. Um, but the New York Post asked the sheriff's department to recount the craziest tip they received. And... Um, Chad Cronister responded with, I hate to call any of them crazy. These people led such complicated lives that any lead could be valuable. Which I could see that. Yeah, I just, I have a completely different opinion on them reopening the case after there was a very popular documentary that came out about it. That pisses me off, but. Wait, no, talk about it. We should go into it because that's all the information I have. So, well, it's just I want to hear like, your thoughts now. Well, it, it it pisses me off because it's like it's a cold case. No one was touching it. Oh, now it's popular. Let's solve it. Like how many yeah, cold I can cases? See that. How many cold cases are all of these different sheriff's departments sitting on? A lot. You know what I mean, exactly that. That it's like they're just not going to touch it until there's a freaking Netflix show about it. Like that's not fair. You would think that there. You would think that they would have. They would wait for a reasonable tip to come in before they actually expend, like, spend time and money on opening this case back up. I'm not saying they shouldn't work on it. Sorry, I'm getting hated. I, I wouldn't. I'm not saying that they shouldn't work on it. I'm just saying it seems like their only motivation for putting resources and money into opening this case back up is the fact that there was a Netflix show. I would think if anything, you're going to get more leads of just like people putting in their opinions because they've seen the show and they have an opinion right or people coming out of the woodwork that shouldn't be calling in like like you said it's not quality what do you based on everything we went over what is your opinion now and did your opinion change since watch like from watching the docuseries and then listening to all of this honey i think she killed him 
You do you really? Yes. I have watched too much Dateline to not think that she killed him. I respect that. So your opinion basically say the same. Yeah. I I I was convinced that she killed him after the docuseries. I was fully convinced. But kind of after doing my own research, I think that she I think that she really didn't want another failed relationship. I think she didn't have a her entire life. I don't think she ever felt like she had um, stability or a true family or like a true support system. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I think about her claim that he started to like lose his mind and like maybe have Alzheimer's. I'm not really sure um, if that was him truly acting crazy or him just being a man and being who he was and like her being like my husband's crazy, which I think all of us go through the, you know, those moments of times where like, oh my gosh. Or it's like her setting him up so that she can kill him and she can later say like he was crazy I don't know he wandered off well and I think a lot of people think that I think a lot of people have that view I personally think that he wanted to leave I think he wanted to run a I think especially because it says they found that he was doing illegal business in Costa Rica I think he wanted to make a lot of money legally or illegally I think Carol genuinely wanted to have what she thought was a rescue for big cats now I haven't done enough research into big cat rescue itself and like what the facilities are like and what they're actually doing so I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to call it a rescue like until I've feel like I've you know, I respect that. Seen it for myself and feel yeah. like that's truly the motive. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it does seem like it is also still a business, and she also seems to be making a decent amount of money from it. But she certainly doesn't seem like she wanted to like breed the cats. I think no one would question that she was like very against that. Um, if there was something in it for her, for him to just go off grid, whether it be money, whether it be they still have some kind of relationship and she feels like she didn't completely lose him like I said I mentioned like her codependency earlier of like and once again I'm being very speculative like I don't know that she struggles with codependency I don't know that but I do know that like after all she's been through that would be a very human response to all the trauma that she's been through like, that's a very human thing to have to, to, to struggle with something like codependency after all of that. So, um, I could see her being like, you know what, Dawn? If you want to disappear and you want to go, fine. You go. I don't want anything to do with it. If you're going to leave, I need this. Like, I could see her kind of negotiating herself a sweet little deal. But why wouldn't she just say that? If she's, if she's being accused of murder, murdering her husband, why wouldn't she just come out and say, like, he wanted to go off the grid and I supported him and he left me all of his money? Um, one, I don't know if that's, is that legal? Especially if then she's, like, outing him for, like, he wanted to go off the grid and how all these businesses, they find him and they find all of his illegal businesses that he's doing. Oh, I see what you're saying. 
So that could be one thing. Illegal businesses. Two, she's trying to be the public face of this rescue. She's trying to come off as this like nurturing, loving, you know, cat loving, cool cat. And what she's going to own up to the fact that she helped her husband like go off the grid and escape and then took all his money and like didn't give any to the daughters. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I'm not, I'm saying she could be withdrawing cash here and there and she could be sending him money. We don't know. Right. We don't know. That's, that's totally like, or it's the the other way around. Maybe he's so successful that he's sending her money in his offshore. Yeah. And he's just like shipping her cash. I don't think, let me put it to you this way. I don't think she killed him personally. I think that he went off the grid and he disappeared on his own. I think she knew that he was going to do it, though. I'm not sure. Because, like, I'm not sure she's a liar. And I could be wrong. But I think she chooses her words pretty carefully. Like, when she says, I didn't have anything to do, you know, with this murder. I didn't kill my husband. Blah, blah, blah. She's not saying, like, I don't know anything about the fact that he could have disappeared. I haven't heard her say that. I haven't seen her mention that anywhere. Of course she could have said it. There's only so much information out there, right? But I don't know. I think think she knows more than she's letting on. Now, is he still alive? Who knows? Because it sounds like he was caught up in some illegal business, you know, down in Costa Rica. And typically illegal business is pretty dangerous. So who knows what happened to him? Typically. When, when I, I engage in, in foreign business yeah. that's illegal, it's typically unsafe. I think she also probably wouldn't have wanted his daughters from the previous marriage to hate her. Then give I don't know. them some cash. Well, really. yeah, I know. And uh, that's the other thing. Then give them some also, money. Also, her but... house did not look like they needed any more money. No, it didn't. Girl was like dripping in that 90s plaid blue white and yellow situation and that yes there were weaved baskets everywhere there was a lot going on but they yeah i mean they definitely don't have a need for for additional monies but i don't know i think don's out there i think carol has a bit of an idea of where he might be or maybe she doesn't pulling a don draper it's fine So you're sticking, you're sticking strong with your theory. Yeah, I don't think she, um, no. All right, then. Yeah, I think she, I think she did it. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have for yeah. Carol Baskin and the disappearance of Don Lewis. We would love to hear about what you think might have happened. Send us an email at spaghettiheadspodcast@outlook.com. Follow us on Twitter at, what is it again? Spaghetti underscore heads on Twitter. Okay. And you want to shout out the Instagram? Oh, sorry. I was, in, I was on my Twitter app. Oh, God. Oh, God. I think it's Spaghetti Heads Podcast on spaghetti Instagram. Spaghetti Heads Podcast, all one word. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, please rate, review, subscribe if you guys like what you hear. And, yeah, we hope to get new episodes out to you soon. So, cheers. Cheers.